Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. You act justly, you love mercy, you walk humbly. Our goal on the Rusty George podcast is to try to make life a little bit more simple. Is there anything simple about living in quarantine? As we deal with COVID-19, and many of us are housebound, shelter to home, um, house arrest, however you want to say it, we find ourselves stuck with the very people that we love, but after a while, it becomes a little bit difficult. And so then you live with the whole problem and tension of how do you help other people, uh, for those of you that really want to reach out beyond yourself. And, and then you have the whole issue that we've preached over and over again, that we are better together and we need each other in relationships. How do you do this in a world of social distancing? How can you find actual community when really we're having to isolate ourselves? So as always, I am joined here today with my good friend, Brad Williams. Brad, how are you doing? Um, we are, I'm good. I mean, I am, uh, uh, our family, we have a lot of people in the home, so it still feels like we are in community. Right. I don't feel isolated so much because there's so many of us. So we're having fun. We're actually eating a lot. We're um, playing games. Uh, there, there are times where... Um, it gets, uh, it, you know, it's a little, you got to answer questions for your kids. And then, you know, it gets a little difficult for you because you have so many questions. Um, and just to keep it real, uh, work-wise, you know, we just, uh, uh, our work, we're not essential. So we shut down Friday. So, you know, mm. there are all the things everybody else is going through, we're going through, but we're keeping our heads up. Right, right. It is it is such a scary time for all of us because of the economy, because of our health concerns, because the future is so unknown. This is unlike anything we've ever dealt with before. Um, most of the things that we've dealt with in our lifetime happen, and then we respond to them. It's like we're living in the middle of this storm. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it can be a rather energizing time because you are around the people that you love so much. And that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. But for most of us, that happens to be a good thing. Uh, but after a while... You recognize you do just begin to wear on each other. Yeah, no, that's real. Uh, if I could give everybody one piece of advice, and that is take the Enneagram test. Take a little bit of time while you're cooped up in the house to study this because you're going to begin to learn what these numbers mean and why you tick the way that you do, why you think the way that you think. Uh, there's a lot of great videos out there about various Enneagram numbers during a quarantine, how we respond to things. Uh, there's tests out there that you can take. Brad, you're one of the first people that introduced me to the Enneagram. Can you give our listeners just a little bit of a tutorial on what it is? So uh, f first, I think that's a brilliant idea. And I think whether people know the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs um, or you know, Right Path, there are a whole lot of things out there to where um, I th in the Bible, there's a scripture about uh, knowing those who work and live among you. Right. And I think sometimes we can take our family members for granted. Um, and so the Enneagram is a great way for us to get to know the people in our homes. And basically, uh, it, it explains the fact that we have all nine. We have nine personality, nine behavior traits as human beings. Mm -hmm. All of us have all nine. Um, when we're little kids, we, we form our personalities and our traits, uh, based on our environment as a child. Mm. So some people as kids had to be funny to survive. 
you know, some had to achieve things. Some had to to started helping around the house. And based on uh, your assessment of how to survive your family culture as a child, that's where you form your personality. So all the Enneagram does is simply say, hey, you have these coping mechanisms. You have these behaviors that you formed as a kid. You have all nine, but there, there are two or three that you really, really lean on. And so here's what healthy looks like for you based on your personality. And here's what unhealthy looks like. And it's really a self-assessment. So the thing I love about the Enneagram is that it's not so much like all the other ones are trying to uh, put labels on people. This one is saying, no, these are your behaviors that you formed as a child to now as an adult uh, or whatever age you are. Um, You need to know what healthy looks like and what unhealthy looks like so you can uh, self-assess and course correct in real time when you're behaving unhealthy. For me, it's helped me to recognize my unhealthy behaviors because I'm a two with a three uh, wing. Mm-hmm. So for me, growing up in my home, the way I survived, uh, it was by trying to help whoever I could help. And I'd educate myself on whatever I need to educate myself on to help. Yeah. And it, this is what got me through life. But I had some unhealthy behaviors that I didn't recognize until I took the Enneagram and so I use it at work. I use it at home, but it's a great tool. You know, I think the point is take a test. There's so many free tests that are out there to discover your Enneagram number. It's pretty quick, pretty simple. Uh, we've had everybody in our family take this. I've even spent the money for the, I think it's 40 bucks or 60 bucks for the deep dive test. You get more information, but every time I take it, I come out to be the same number. Really? And you're going to be able to figure out real quickly a little bit more about yourself. And more importantly, you're going to figure out more about the people that you live with and your friends and family. Right now, you're probably wondering, <clears throat> why are you overreacting to this? Or why are you underreacting to this? There's some of you that are prone to drama and some of you that are prone to avoid it. Some of you that your first thought is to help. And for others of you, your first thought is self-preservation. Why are all these things kind of your default switch? And why don't other people think and behave the way that you do? Yeah. The Enneagram begins to sort that out for you. So I encourage you to take the test while you're, you're sitting around. Go ahead and do that right now. Now, for those of you that are thinking, oh, this sounds creepy or mystical or maybe even satanic. I mean, what's the deal with the pentagram? It's not the pentagram, okay? It is the Enneagram, which is a nine-sided object, and it really are these nine points that come from the early church fathers who put a lot of these things together based upon our tendency to drift into seven deadly sins and then a couple others that were pretty common as well and how we fight against those. So make sure that you spend some time doing that because it's going to help you and your family in the long run. So Brad, here's what I want us to kind of do a deep dive in. And that is this whole idea of social distancing without social isolation. Christianity Today just put out an article about the tendency in these times is to self-isolate and become consumed with our electronic devices, particularly our phones. And we're posting, we're sharing, we're reading, we're catching up on news. We just did a whole segment about this, Brad, and the use of our phones. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in your home? you got a lot of kids that have their devices, as do you, but how are you fighting against social isolation despite having social distancing? Um, one thing I'm discovering is that uh, this article, like what you just read, is spot on. Uh, the danger of right now is people see this not as an opportunity to connect 
um, with the people in their homes or not as an opportunity to improve themselves as people, not as an opportunity to get closer to God, but an opportunity to jump onto Instagram. Right. You know, or, you know, go on to Facebook. Um, and technology can be very dangerous because, um, like we discussed previously in the last podcast, um, it can disconnect you right, uh, and, uh, and focus you on keeping your head down when really right now is the time to keep your head up and connect, mm-hmm. you know? So for you, um, Howard, cause I know we talked about the temptation that it, you have sometimes to, to use, um, technology or the phone as a pseudo, uh, community, yeah. you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing all the time. So like, for the people out there, it's easy to recommend to them, hey, stay off Instagram, stay off Facebook. But the reality of it is we do use these tools also to connect with people. So I think it's more so how we're using them as opposed to not using them. I think the right boundaries are so important. Um, having screen time on your phones, having times when the phones are not on the couch with you, when maybe you put them all in a basket together, you don't eat meals with the phones around. And even when you're on phones, I'm seeing so many live videos people are shooting at themselves. Mm -hmm. Many times they're just giving opinions and talking about themselves. Remember, social media is to be social. So ask questions and find out what can we do for you and how can I pray for you and what's going on today. Uh, I know our churches right now are calling everybody in the database, finding out how we can help. How can we pray for you? What do you need? Mm. Obviously, there's limits to what we can do because of social distancing, but you know, even leaving communion outside of our church building so people can come by and pick it up and take it at home. Yeah. Um, even just finding out what's around you. I know our churches right now are we're raising money for local food pantries and supplies for for food pantries. You can go by and drop stuff off. Uh, portions of everything donated to our campuses. We're giving away to local Meals on Wheels programs. So there's great opportunities out there. Yeah. And then there's opportunities right down your street. I'm learning right now in Southern California, everybody's outside walking around. So you can stand at a distance and talk to people and ask them what they need, how we can help. Next time you go to the store, what can I pick up for you? We have a, an older woman lives down the street from us, and she mentioned that she couldn't find bananas. So the next time we were out, we found some, and we dropped them off at her front porch, sprayed them down with Lysol, of course, and then <laughs> ran away. And she was so appreciative. But I think it really does come down to the little things and finding those things. Yeah, well, and also um, it's it's knowing not just you, but if you have kids uh, especially, um, knowing what we're giving our time to online I think is key. Yeah, because there are a lot of um, places that will lead you down a really dark path. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's certain people, certain people's accounts um, that you want to stay away from. Even listen to music like uh, the article, what you just read, talked about us spiraling um, down into a pit of loneliness and emotional isolation. And I think sometimes because the enemy is is extremely clever. I mean, it's not. This is this this is multi-layered the the what we're going through right now. And we could jump online with good intentions, but then get so caught up in something negative or something we see someone say on Facebook and it just sends us down this dark path. Mm. Um and we get consumed. And so we just have to be really conscious, not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. 
Well, that's so good. Uh, I want to take just a moment, and we'll be back to our episode soon, but just take a, a quick second for a brief commercial or a PSA, if you will, a public service announcement. Uh, if you have not signed up for the weekly newsletter that we send out from PastorRustyGeorge.com, do that right now, because I know you might subscribe to the podcast, but if you go to PastorRustyGeorge.com slash newsletter, then you can sign up right there, and you're going to get the fresh content delivered to your inbox every single time that it's released, from Monday's podcast to uh, Wednesday's uh uh, thoughts for the day and blogs, and then, of course, Friday's blog. We've also launched a new devotional leading up to Easter. That is 21 Days to Easter, and it walks through the book of John, one chapter a day. You can read that with your small group, with your family, while you're sitting inside. Great opportunity for you there, so you can get all that at the website. But sign up for the newsletter, pastorrustygeorge.com slash newsletter, N-E-W-S-L-E-T-T-E-R, and you'll get that. And you'll get it fresh, you'll get it first, and you'll get it free, as always. So, Brad, that was like three Fs right there in a row. <laughs> fresh, first, and free. So that's the pastor in me. So anyway, uh, Brad, you've got some other information for us about social isolation. Tell us about it. All right. So um, on that article, is that same, that same article, there's an interesting um quote I'm about to read. It says, if we must stay home from school, work, church, and entertainment, then we should champion the time to reconnect with family, friends, neighbors, and those who need our help. Uh, it'll feel like a slower pace and we might even uh, get bored. When that feeling begins, that's our cue to press in even more to one another. And so we kind of touched on it earlier, but I just want to know what are you doing specifically right now? outside of leaving bananas on your neighbor's doorstep, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. What are you doing, like, looking forward to next week to make sure you're doing these things? My wife came across an idea recently that a neighborhood did where they encouraged everybody to get colored chalk and write encouraging messages to one another on your sidewalks. Oh. Uh, because right now where we live, everybody's outside taking walks. Um, it's funny, if you weren't quarantined, nobody would be outside. They'd all be indoors watching TV or playing on their phones. But now that we can't um, get outside, we want to be outside. So right. everybody's out taking walks. So this neighborhood decided, let's write messages to each other and encourage one another. And so I think we're going to do that. And I think um, we're going to get colored chalk and, and put it uh, on our neighbor's doorsteps and with a little note, encouraging them to do it as well, kind of a happy Easter gift uh, so they could do that also. And it's just kind of a, an interesting way for us to connect, even though we have to be experiencing a little bit of social distancing. So it's just one opportunity uh, for us to be able to um, you know, engage and uh, build some kind of rapport uh, with our, our neighbors. So uh, anything like that is able to, to really help. I like that. I, that's, we might actually steal that. I, I had a uh, I went live a few days ago um, mm -hmm. and I had a concern and I wanted to talk to you about it. Basically, when it comes to homes and um, parents, especially in this season, my concern is that uh, because our house is such a, um, a place where things can go wrong or go left quickly, like during this time, 
people can get on people's nerves, right? Right. And for me as a father, I've always prayed for peace in the home because I used to take it for granted. Mm. I don't want us to walk into this season not understanding how important it is for us to pray every single moment of the day, especially as fathers and husbands, over our wives, over our children, just for a peaceful day. Yeah. Because I don't want during this time where people are supposed to be together, they get driven apart. Uh, so do you feel like when it comes to family, Rusty, like not that people can, our fathers especially, can take this time for granted, but sometimes we're kind of unguarded mm -hmm. and then things blow up in the house because we're all together and we have a hard time managing our families through this process? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the lesson we're learning is you have to know yourself and know what makes you or what energizes you. For instance, I am energized by being alone at times, and mm -hmm. so I need some alone time. And if that means I got to get up early to get that in before everybody else gets up, that's fine. Uh, my wife is energized when we're all together, and so that's a good thing because we have a lot of that. My uh, youngest daughter is energized when she gets to bake, so we got to carve in time for that. Um, and my oldest daughter gets energized just watching TV, reading a book. So kind of knowing what it is that, that refuels your tank and then prioritize that because if you don't, no one else will. And then when you get that in, you're able to give something back when you're out of your element. So for some homes, it may be to institute what you might call room time where everybody goes to their own room for a period of time and then they come out a little bit healthier. Uh, for some, it may be we turn off the TV and we force ourselves to sit down over a board game or a meal and we do something that we've not done before. We, have, we answer questions or we um, write letters uh, to people, um, which is kind of a lost art or you know different things that get you out of the rhythm of uh, just isolation. Uh, but if isolation energizes you, having periods of time for that, so you mm -hmm. have something to bring back to the table. I think knowing yourself is where it starts and that's why I encourage people to do the Enneagram. Yeah, no, that's good. And then keeping your kids from arguing. What are you doing with that? <laughs> we kind of view it like a hockey fight. <laughs> so, you know, in hockey, when two guys start fighting, the refs just let them fight till they run out of energy. Right. right. So we just let it go <laughs> until somebody starts to pick up things to throw, and then we intervene. No, that's good. That's good. I'm going to – a lot of – I have a lot of kids, so that can go long. <laughs> well, you have you have six kids, right? Yes. And because of this uh, isolation thing, your oldest, she had to push her wedding. So that means you've still got six kids in the home. You almost got rid of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, we're, we're that part of life where we should, we should be shrinking, you know, mm -hmm. and we're not, we're not. You're still together. Yeah. Still well, that's together. good, man. Well, we're going to, we're going to keep uh, putting resources out there for people. And um, next week, we're going to talk about um, how to build trust. And now we're kind of getting back to our regular rhythm of what we'd already planned to talk about. But the idea of building trust is a really difficult thing in the workplace. And now to do it from a remote location, to try to do this over Zoom calls. Some of you are leaders where you've got coworkers uh, or employees that you're really not sure if they're working, that are supposed to be working from home and even in the home. 
How do you deal with people in your house that you live with and love, but you're not sure if you trust? So we're going to talk about that a little bit next time. So as always, uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to the newsletter, check that out. If you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, it's real simple to do right there on iTunes or wherever you're listening from. And that makes sure you always get the fresh episodes that come in. And we have some bonus episodes from time to time. If you want to join in with the devotional that's going on as we march towards Easter, you can check that out at the website as well. And as always, uh, share this with a friend if you think it'll help them as we walk through uh, COVID-19 quarantine together. Brad, thank you. And we will talk next week.